So Money Episode 194, David Bach. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome back to So Money. I'm doing a new thing starting this Friday and every Friday until the end of the summer. I've decided, just decided the other day, that I'm going to air reruns. You know, summer Fridays tend to be quieter than the other days. And I see it in my download numbers. I don't get as many people listening in on Fridays. Also, it's hard to get guests over the summer. So I'm at a point now where it's a lot easier for me to just air reruns on Fridays. I hope this isn't going to be too much of a problem for listeners. I mean, I have already listeners telling me to slow down a little bit, and this is a way that's helping me, but also addressing, I think, the demand out there. I can tell you guys have other things to do on Fridays. Um, And those of you who are tuning in, thank you. I appreciate you. But for now, until the end of the summer, let's just dedicate Fridays to some oldies but goodies. And today we're going to kick it off with the great David Bach. David, as you know, is famous for his Finish Rich books. They include Start Late, Finish Rich, Smart Women, Finish Rich. One of my personal favorite books of David's is The Automatic Millionaire. We talk about David a little bit actually in yesterday's show with with James Altucher when he is trying to convince me that 401ks are uh, thumbs down, no good. And I Um, took him to task, but uh, mentioned David Bach's input as well there. David is also an internationally renowned motivational and financial speaker. He's a regularly featured financial expert in the media. You've seen him everywhere. He's been on the Oprah Winfrey show six times. He's been a regular contributor to the Today Show. I've been uh, next to David many times on the Today Show. Very privileged to say that I've had that opportunity. In this episode, we learn about David's go-giver philosophy. Go-giver, not a go-getter. We also go down memory lane with him, and I just had to ask him, obviously, what it was like to meet Oprah. Um, and, uh, you know, he, it took him 10 years to get on the show. So to say that he has perseverance is an understatement. Finally, he met Oprah, and he talks about um, that moment. And it was, I guess, his so money moment. So without further ado, let's unleash the great David Bach. Here we go. David Bach, thanks so much for joining us on So Money. Farnoosh, it's my pleasure. It's great to be with you. You are one of my first interviews, and I couldn't be more honored. You know, I don't know if you remember this, David, but when I published my first book in 2008, You're So Money, I tentatively reached out to you prior to the book being published, actually, and asked you for a quote. Uh, an endorsement, anything. Um, I was a big fan. I had interviewed you years ago when one of your first books came out when I was a producer at New York One. And I thought, maybe he'll remember me. Maybe he won't. I'm going to email him and see if he'll he'll be willing to endorse my book. And you were so generous. You responded right away. You gave me a fantastic quote. We put it on the cover and no doubt helped me sell lots and lots of copies. So I am forever indebted to you. And now it's just such a nice, um, you know, turn of events. And now I'm here interviewing you for my first podcast. I'm just really touched. And this is so special. So thank you for that. 
Well, you are so welcome. And I totally remember it like it was yesterday. And I would like to think it was yesterday, but boy, a couple years have gone by since then. And I'm so proud of you and the career that you've built and the huge success that you've had. And it's, you know what, it's an honor for me to be here with you as one of your first guests on your brand new podcast, which I know is going to be hugely successful. So congratulations (laughs) to you. Thank you very, very much. I'm um, I'm really excited, and thank you for being one of my first guests. I know that this is a complete leap of faith, but hopefully, for those of you listening, you'll like what you're hearing and you'll want to subscribe. Um, so clearly, David, you're a, a huge role model for me, but for millions and millions of Americans, you are uh, a guide. You are a source of wisdom. Financial freedom is not something easy to achieve. You've made it very, very simple and systematic for people. You've written nine New York Times bestselling books. Um, and your career has really uh, been so diverse from speaking to writing books to um, being on the Today Show to um, courses. And now you have a really interesting partnership with Edelman Financial Services. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, gosh, I wasn't expecting to jump right into that. But um, so all the way with my background, I grew up in the investment business. Um, my father was a stockbroker. I started going to my dad's investment classes at a really young age, nine years old, watching my dad teach investment classes. I was teaching my friend's parents how to buy muni bonds by the age of 12. And that's kind of strange, I know, but that's the family that I grew up in. We always talked about investing. And in my 20s out of college, I came alongside my father and worked at the Bach Group at Morgan Stanley. And in 1994, I started my career really off by teaching investment classes for women. And that's what started everything that I've done over the last 20 years was teaching investment classes for women. And that class became Smart Women Finish Rich. And that would become my first book. That would become my first PBS show. And that was really my calling crusade, if you will, which from the very beginning in the 90s was I wanted to teach a million women about money. And so I spent nine years at Morgan Stanley. I was a full service financial planner. I did retirement planning and I taught classes for women and money. And then I spent the next 15 years, roughly, uh, running a financial education company, which is Finish Rich Media. And I moved to New York in 2001, and I spent from 2001 till 2013, I wrote uh, 12 books in 10 years. And I traveled, I think, a million miles across the country doing seminars and media and, and really just teaching people all over the U.S. and Canada how to be powerful over their money. And then in 2013, I took a year off. I took a total sabbatical and I disappeared. And I spent the year with my family and I had the time of my life and I really rested. And I asked myself, what do I want to do now with the rest of my life at the, at the tender age of 48? And what kept coming back to me is that what I really wanted to do was the one thing I hadn't done was I wanted to be able to provide a referral to a fee-based financial advisor around the country that would meet with my readers, meet with my friends, people that trusted me. I wanted a place to send somebody that they could meet with a financial advisor that they could trust. There were a few people I had huge respect for, and one was Rick Edelman, who has been a competitor of mine, you know, really for 20 years. And Rick found out that I was looking to build a firm, ironically, and he reached out to me and said, David, rather than build a new firm, why don't you come alongside me and be my partner and let's build this firm together and go help more people. And I became the vice chairman of his firm and I've now been with him for six months and we are 
working on that exact plan. Um, we relaunched the Smart Women Finish Rich seminars across the country six weeks ago. We did seminars in 14 cities, and we had 74 events, and we had our first 3,000 women go through the new seminars. And I'm just come full circle. I'm back doing exactly what I did in the early 90s, only now I'm uh, part of running a firm that can provide those financial advisors to people around the country. And are you specifically focusing on women in the beginning, or are you um, broadening out throughout your, uh, your campaign? Well, you know, I just realized as, as I'm sitting here babbling away, like, first of all, most people don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, the firm I became the vice chairman of is a company called Edelman Financial Services. And they're what's called a registered investment advisor. And that means that all the advisors are fiduciaries. They don't sell products. We don't do anything commission-based. It's all holistic-based financial planning for a fee. And Rick had built a firm that's one of the largest registered investment advisory firms in the country. We have 26,000 clients right now. We have 110 financial advisors, and we manage over $14 billion in assets. So coming alongside him with a firm that's super built up already, um, you know, his firm has been built predominantly working with the, what we call the mass affluent. It's exactly who I like to talk to. It's the 99% of Americans. We're not talking to the person who's got $10 million or more. We're doing financial planning for people starting with accounts as little as $5,000 and working with people who have, you know, hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions. But it's your average hardworking American, much like the automatic millionaire in my, in my book that became so popular. It's, mm -hmm. your, it's the millionaire next door. And Rick really built his business on retirement planning. And now we're adding to it the component of financial education for women. Got it. What would you say right now in 2015 is the most pressing issue for particularly women, as many of us are becoming head of household increasingly? Um, obviously, we hold the purse strings. We know that. Uh, what would be your biggest, uh, most critical advice for them? The real issue for women versus men, and this is what I say in my seminars, is that financial planning for women is significantly more important than it is for a husband or for a man in your life. And the reason's super simple. Women significantly outlive men. On average, it's seven years, but that's a median, right? So when you really look at it, a lot of women marry men that are that are older, and in many cases, you know, widowhood. The, the statistics on widowhood have not changed. The average age of widowhood in this country right now is fifty-five years old. Um, it's been estimated that one out of four women go through the death benefits left by the husband or the estate within sixty days. And I think the biggest thing that women are facing today is that because women are living so much longer, you know, today a woman who's 65 has got a really good chance of living to be in her 90s. So I think for women, you just need to know, look, you're going to live longer. Your financial plan is more important than your husband. You need to care more than he does. If you're not married, then obviously you need to be the one in charge. And no one is going to care as much about your money as you will or as you should. And it's not difficult to take charge of your financial life. And it is something that you should work on really every year to be improving on it. I just got goosebumps because you said something that I personally is a mantra of mine. I carry this with me um, every day. I say, no one cares more about your money than you. And it helps me to make healthier decisions about my money. To hear you say that, to echo that, makes me feel like I'm doing something right. <laughs> what is David Box? personal financial philosophy, something that, like for me, helps you make continue to make those healthy decisions with your finances? 
Wow. Well, that's a really philosophical question. The, the philosophy that's driven me, really, I would say, the bulk of my life since, since my 20s is two philosophies, and I can't take credit for either of them because they came from a gentleman named John Templeton, who, uh, for those who don't know who John Templeton was, he's a, he was a self-made billionaire and one of the great investors of our lifetime. And John Templeton, I heard John Templeton speak well over 20 years ago, I think it was, and, and I heard him say two things that really struck me as a young kid. And that was, first of all, that, that people in life are taught to be go-getters. And he said, I really believe people in life should be go-givers. So don't be a go-getter, be a go-giver. Uh, that had a huge impact on me. And when I heard him say that, right around the time I heard him say that, I heard Zig Ziglar say, you know, if you just help enough people get what they want, you'll always have what you want, which comes from this kind of the same exact place, which is, you know, just be of service. So really be out and be, spend your life trying to be of service. And that's really what I've done the last you know, the bulk of my life has been focused on how can I be of the most service with the belief that if I'm of the most service, good, good things will come back to me. That life is a giant circle of karma and that the more you give out, the more it comes back. And that's really been true in my life. So I, I have no, you know, really no regrets for living my life that way. And I, and I constantly try to remind myself, even when I'm overworked or overstressed or things aren't going the way I want, um, that I signed up for this attitude that I was going to live my life in service. And then the second thing I learned from John Templeton, and it was the same talk, was this idea of living your life with an attitude of gratitude. And that which you focus on, um, you magnify. So when I heard this attitude of gratitude, it really, really struck me that you hear people say that, you know, happiness is a choice. But what does that mean? And what I've done in my life consistently over the last 20 years is I have a daily ritual of an attitude of gratitude, I, a daily ritual where I do a positive focus, where I either in the morning I capture uh, what I'm grateful for for the day before, or at the end of the day, I capture what I'm grateful for for the day I just had. And I, and I teach that to my kid. I think to say that you know, you focus on the positive, you have these daily rituals. Look, some days you have really bad days and you don't want to think about happy things. You know, you're focused on the stress, you're focused on the assignments you have to get done, you're focused on, you know, the deadlines you have to meet. And so how do you find it? How do you get into that behavior and into that groove? Yeah, well, I think there's a, there's a bunch of things that you do. First of all, a lot of it's habit, right? Because the more you do something, the more habit, more habitual it becomes. So I'm somebody who's kept a journal since my 20s. Now, I will tell you because I'm just one of these people that tells it like it is. I wish I could keep a journal every day. I don't. But I'm very consistent with the kids about doing a positive focus. It's something that we do every dinner at night, and it's, it's how we start our conversations. Um, I'm very conscious of once a quarter doing a positive focus for the, the past 90 days. And doing that gives me the strength and the courage to go forward in the next 90 days. And then, I, and then I tell myself now, you know, I mean, today's one of those days where I have like seven different things that need to get done. And, you know, I signed up to do, for instance, your podcast. What would be one single memory from childhood that you think has really influenced your, your financial take, you know, your financial mindset? So I think and this is the funny, you know, the weird thing about doing what we do, right? Being writers or being on TV or doing all things, you know, I've talked about these things before, so it's not the first time I'm going to say this, but 
my first met one of my first memories that really profoundly shaped me was my grandmother Bach teaching me about money. And Smart Women Finish Rich is dedicated to my grandma Rose Bach. And my grandma Rose Bach started at 30 with nothing and made a decision she wanted to be a millionaire. And she basically went out and self-taught took classes, found money mentors, and starting with a dollar a week, became an investor and became a self-made millionaire. And that her, her, it wasn't her legacy of wealth that transformed my family's destiny. It was her teaching her family about how to build wealth that changed our destiny. Because she first taught my father and my dad became a financial advisor and he became a teacher. And then she taught me and she taught my sister and we all became really became a, a, a generation of teachers around this concept of financial education. But what my grandmother taught me first happened at the age of seven, and she taught it to me at McDonald's. And what used to happen is I would visit my grandmother in the summertime, and she lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was from California. And when I would visit her, she'd spoil me. She'd say, where do you want to go have, where do you want to have dinner? Where do you want to have lunch? And being a kid, of course, the place I wanted to go was McDonald's. <laughs> and so at McDonald's, where she would take me, um, one day at seven, she's like, you know what? I want you to go up to the manager right now and ask the manager if this place is publicly traded. And I'm like, what? She's like, you go do it and I'll give you a dollar. So I'm like a dollar. And I went running up to the front counter. <laughs> you know, the manager came out. He had that McDonald's hat on his head, which I'll never forget. And, um, he came back to the table with my grant with me and my grandmother. And he, he introduced himself to my grandmother and he said, Yes, Mrs. Bach, you know, he introduced himself. And he said, yes, McDonald's is publicly traded. And he would trade, I think they trade on the New York Stock Exchange, and he gave her the symbol. And my grandmother said, oh, I know that. I wanted my grandson here to learn how to ask. And he's like, oh. And then he left. And when I sat back down, she said, you know, I want you to watch the people walking in here who are spending money. She said, there are three types of people. Those who come in here and spend money, like you right now. Those who work here and get paid. She said, you know, you can make a lot of money, but you can't make it if you work here. And she said, then the third type of person is those who own this place. And she said, I want you to be the, the kid who grows up to own this place. And she said, I'm going to take you home today and I'm going to teach you how to buy stock in McDonald's. And when you own stock in McDonald's, you'll be an owner of McDonald's. And then when all your friends come here and they buy French fries and they buy cheeseburgers, you'll be making money from them. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. And I literally, I tell this story and it gives me chills because I can remember going back to her house and her opening up the Wall Street Journal on the kitchen table and her and my grandfather sitting down and her circling MCD and showing me how to look it up and how much it traded for and then helping me buy that first share of stock and then teaching me how to know how to read the ticker symbols that came across the screen on a television set. And that moment changed my life because it made me look at the world as an opportunity. She was an impressive lady and she drives a hard bargain, a dollar to go up and do something that probably would have been for me, extremely, extremely embarrassing and tough, but she knew what she was doing. A dollar back then was a lot of money. Yeah, I know. (laughs) My next question, it's what I like to ask my guests uh, called your so money moment. Wow. Okay. My so money moment. Um, what a cool thing to talk about. I think my so money moment was being sitting on the little yellow chair next to Oprah Winfrey, uh, launching my book, The Automatic Millionaire. Oh my gosh. And, you know, I think the reason that was my so money moment was that I had been 
by the time I was on Oprah, I had been on every single television show there really was across America. And I mean, literally from like college stations to local radio shows to I'd stayed in every Motel 6 and been on every cable channel and then finally got into national TV and then been on everything. And I had been trying to get on Oprah for nearly 10 years. And I didn't get on Oprah with the Smart Women Finish Rich. And I didn't get on Oprah with Smart Couples Finish Rich. And I didn't get on Oprah with the Finish Rich Workbook. And when the Automatic Millionaire was done and in galley form and I was set up to interview, they call it a pre-interview, with the producers of Harpo, I just said to them, like, look, I, I, I've watched every single financial show you've ever done. And, and what I want to do is different than what you've done. I want to help 10 million people who watch your show, the moment that show is off, take a specific action. And the action I want them to take is to go pay themselves first. I want them to turn off the show, call their husband, call their wife, call their benefits department. And I want them to sign up for their 401k plan or up their contributions to their retirement accounts. And I want to teach these people across America how simple it is to pay themselves first. And I want them to know that they don't need to be rich to do it. That if, if they're spending $5 a day on little things like their lattes, which I term the latte factor, if they could just cut out that $5 a day and pay themselves first automatically, they could change their entire financial life forever. And the producers, they bought into that and they had me on for that show. And I remember being on stage with Oprah and what I did on Oprah was what I had been doing for 10 years. I had done that in classes with 10 people in the room, but here I was doing it on Oprah's stage and going, Oh my gosh, 10 million people are going to see this. And I think that the, you know, I, I came off the stage and I remember the producers coming up to me and just being like, Oh my God, you absolutely crushed, crushed it. And they said, if this show does for America, what it just did for this audience, you know, this show is going to be a home run. And because they always tape the shows and the show came out and it aired. And I remember they called me up and they said, you, David, you have killed it. This show had, and I think it was like an 8.6. And I, they're like, you had an 8.6, you had an 8.6. I'm like, what's an 8.6? And they're like, well, Brad, Pitt, Brad Pitt had an 8.9. It's like, it's really oh good. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that show just did so well. And then The Automatic Millionaire was the number one book in the country. Um, it was number one on every single bestseller list. And then they called me up right away and they said, we want to do another show. And we did Smart Couples Finish Rich. And about, I don't even know, maybe 30 days later or 60 days later, I had four of my financial books on the top 10 bestseller list. Smart Women, Smart Couples, The Finisher's Workbook, and The Automatic Millionaire. I would open up The Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Business Week, and The New York Times. And I had four, the top, I had four out of 10 of the books. And I was like, whoa, I can't believe it. And people said to me, you know, how did this happen? I'm like, it was easy. It just took 10 years. <laughs> okay. You have to tell me, what is it like meeting Oprah? Like, tell me everything. Like, what does she smell like? How tall is she? Like, I want to know everything because unlike you, I have not met her and I dream about her, but I have not met her. So tell me everything because I love her. And I'm sure a lot of people listening want to know all the silly details. Well, first of all, I would tell you, I don't know what she smells like. Cause I think if I had gone up and smelled. <laughs> Did you give her a hug? She didn't hug you? I think I did give her a hug actually. After the show. Um, you know, she's, you know, she's remarkable. I mean, of course she's remarkable. And I think what I knew when I was on that first show, well, I knew it every time I was on her show. I think I did, I did six shows with her. Um, 
I knew what an honor it was and what a responsibility it was. And, you know, she really knows, I don't know how she's just her gift, her incredible gift. She's the epitome of somebody who's coming from a place of service. So her gift is that when you look at the way she handles guests, she knows what the audience is thinking as fast as they're thinking it. And so, you know, she's asking the questions that the audience is asking themselves. And so I think she really brought out the best to me because she'd say like, you know, David, this is a huge promise. Like, you know, what if I'm living paycheck to paycheck? What if I'm in debt? And she really knows, she really knows her audience. And I just really, to this day, incredibly grateful to her and also her team because the team at Harpo was the ultimate A plus world-class team that you've ever worked with. And I remember telling my mother after it aired that I was going to interview you on New York One, my little station in New York City. And she could not have been more proud. Like, I think she called all her friends and said, you know that guy we just saw on Oprah? Well, Farnoosh is going to interview him. I love it. On New York One. And I was actually behind the camera. So no one actually saw me interview you. Let's talk about, and I I suspect this is not going to be getting a latte at Starbucks, but what's your financial fix that's perhaps daily, weekly, monthly, sporadic? In other words, something that you do that may or may not seem like a financial habit, but in the end helps you save money. Well, okay. I I mean, so it is pretty much daily and it's weekly and it's monthly and it's annually. And that is I track my money. So I have a financial dashboard. And all of my accounts, which there are like 17 different accounts for our family, from investment accounts to retirement accounts to credit card accounts to mortgage accounts, I track everything online on a dashboard. And I don't want to say what the dashboard is because there's so many of them out there right now and I don't want to give anybody um, a plug. But I use a dashboard that a lot of other people use. And the ability to see where all of the money is going and how it's growing and it allows me to track my progress and it allows me to make tweaks if tweaks are needed and it allows me to catch mistakes. Okay, David, last uh, kind of fun part of the interview, if I dare say fun from a financial interview, but I'm going to ask you a series of questions. First answer that pops in your mind. We want to hear it. This is really more of like a knee jerk part of, uh, of the interview. So are you ready? Sure. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say $100 million, I would? (laughs) Oh, I would call my accountant. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is a funny, I'm going to give you more of a detailed answer to this one. Because so $100 million, the first thing would be, do you take a lump sum or do you take an annuity payment? I'd take the lump sum which means that the lump sum would be 50 million, which means after taxes, it would be 25 million. So now 25 million is a lot of money, but- uh, what would I do with that money? Very little in my life would actually change. Um, I would give more money to charity and I put more money on investment, but there's very little that I would do in my life that's different than how I'm living right now because I'm pretty, I'm very blessed right now and there's not really a lot more stuff that I want. Good answer. Good answer. The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is... <laughs> the answer, Farnish, because I have two kids, is babysitters. <laughs> <laughs> What's the rate these days, by the way? Oh, my God. It's $20 an hour here in Manhattan. Um, plus dinner, and, plus cab ride home, right? Right, right. So I'm just talking about the babysitter, right? Because it takes a babysitter in order to be able to go out and have a date with my wife, Felicia. So 
Um, it pains me that every time we go out on a date, it's an extra hundred to two hundred dollars. But th- th- I will say, it's probably the best investment I make is on that babysitter because uh, it's really important to keep having date nights with my wife, and um, I'm really grateful that we're able to do those date nights. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on, more than I'm probably willing to admit, but you'll admit it here on my show, is. <laughs> Well, it's definitely eating out because, again, I live in Manhattan and eating out is an entertainment. I definitely spend more money eating out than I would practically say that I should, but it is a big part of our life. So when you donate money, who do you like to give to and why? Wow. Okay. Well, I'll give a bunch of the charities I like to give to and why. Um, I mean, it's, it's changed over time because different times in my life I've had different passions, but I first started by giving to charity to Make-A-Wish Foundation. That's where I started as, as really out of college was the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, that's a great charity. And then after Make-A-Wish Foundation, I really became passionate about housing for people who couldn't afford to have a house. Um, and so Habitat for Humanity was a charity I became very involved in. Uh, I've, I've given proceeds from different books to different charities. So like uh, a book I wrote on home ownership, I gave money to Habitat for Humanity, and we built a home, built a building for like 12 families contributed to building a building. Um, and I ended up joining the board of Habitat for Humanity in New York for a while. And that was a great charity I got involved with. And finally, David, answer this. I'm so money because. I am so money because I have two amazing little boys, Jack and James, who are the light of my life. And I am surrounded by a lot of love. I have an amazing wife, Alicia. I have an incredible family. Uh, I'm really so money because my mom and my dad, Bobby and Marty, are still alive. Uh, they have been my biggest supporters and cheerleaders and just incredible mentors to me. And I've just been really, really lucky to be surrounded by incredible friends. I've got to mention my sister, Emily Bach, too. I just, I'm really lucky. I've been, I'm so money because I've had amazing people around me, from friends to family, um, my whole life. And they have cheered me on and supported me through the difficult times and cheered me on the good times. And they're what make my life special. Well, I am grateful to you, David Bach, for spending your morning with me and all of us. And we wish you continued success in the new year. We know you're going to you're gonna do so well, and we're really excited about your new partnership. But this has been a, a lot of fun. Again, I'm super proud of you and excited for you. And I, I'm sure your mom will be cheering you on listening to your podcast. So tell your mom I said hi. I will. She'll love it. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about David Bach, his website is finishrich.com. And he's on Twitter at author David Bach. All of this and the transcript and comments from this episode over at somoneypodcast.com, where you can also ask me a question. If you've got a money question, a career question, any question, uh, send it to me over at somoneypodcast.com. Just click on Ask Farnoosh. That's the way to do it. And every Saturday and Sunday, I dedicate the show to you. So if you typically ask a question by, I would say, Wednesday, it makes it to the weekend, the forthcoming weekend's episodes. If you ask after a Wednesday, it's often the next Saturday and Sunday. And if you want to meet with me one-on-one, an audio one-on-one, if you have an in-depth question, 
I offer one listener the chance to win a free 15-minute money session with me every week. The way to qualify is to leave a review on iTunes. I pick one new reviewer to get that free 15-minute money session. So it could be you next time if you're interested. Uh, Do me that favor. Do me a solid. Leave me a review. And I will try to return the favor to the best of my ability. Sometimes we get more than one review a week. So I got to pick. But it's a good chance. The odds are kind of low. All right. I appreciate you and thank you in advance. And thank you so much for tuning in. I hope it wasn't a bummer that this was a rerun, but it was a good one, right? David Box, amazing. Check out all of his great stuff. In the meantime, hope your Friday is so money. Money.